Whether it's talk about the state of hockey. Just conversing about the world of professional wrestling. Oh my God! Trip, you know what? You just made the list. Oh no! Oh, uh, here we go. Or other pop culture phenomenon. Rob and Dave give you, the listener, their uncensored opinions on the High Sticks and Super Kicks podcast. The first period starts. Right now. Give high fives on a podcast? I yeah. How did Nirvana not sue them? I have no <laughs> idea. Welcome, folks. High Sticks and Super Kicks podcast. Rob and Dave. It's us. It's us. It's H S S K P O D. But you're right. How the hell did fucking Nirvana not sue Diamond Dallas Page for, for well, his his? <laughs> listening to other podcasts about that, they talk about how like. All of their music came from the Turner Broadcast Music Library. So somewhere there was a Nirvana ripoff band that did the... I, I always thought there was like Jimmy Hart. Well, maybe it was just Jimmy Hart. Um, uh, it was probably just for the WWE and probably for the short time that he went to... Uh, um, WCW. WCW. Um, yeah, it was just weird. It's It's... On to hockey. On to hockey. So, well, ajskpod.com, Rob and Dave, home for yada, yada, yada. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Let's just blow through that. Tell we'll your friends. Tell your friends. All Wait, we're done already? Jesus, subscribe, that was quick. Unsubscribe. <laughs> that was a quick hour and a half. All right, so a lot of fucking hockey to talk about. And it seems that every week we do this, it bleeds over from that one specific show called Hey Ref, You Suck. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> but we'll get to that in a minute. It really night. seems like we can foreshadow. Is it for yes? It's foreshadowing. Yeah, foreshadowing. Yes. Right. What's going to happen? Look, look yeah. at look at everything that's happening in wrestling. Look at everything that's happening in in hockey. Listen to our podcast from a couple of weeks ago, and it'll be like, oh my god! And not Becky. Look at her butt. <laughs> they knew. You mean Becky and Seth Rollins? Seth is looking at Becky's butt. They're dating in real life. Apparently, somebody had to delete that tweet. Oh well. <laughs> Because, you know, deleting something on Twitter is, makes yeah, it go away from the Somebody internet. Somebody didn't screenshot that. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Crease to crease stuff. So as the playoffs continue to stumble on, yeah. um, it's getting closer and closer to our more important date, our meaning our devils, um, to Ju- uh, June 21st, is it? I think it's either the is 21st or the 22nd. Whatever that, la- that short to last Friday is where the NHL draft happens. Exciting times. For us. for us, yes, and for the Rangers too. Let's not. Yeah, it's. So I listened to another. It's the twenty first. Uh, I listened to another podcast. If you're the Devils, could you trade the first overall pick 
to the Rangers for their second pick, their second overall pick, and a prospect to put the pressure on them. So let's say, like we said, wow, what the fuck? See, this is why you should never have Ranger fans in your life. <laughs> yeah, but why? Oh wow! They, I, honest to God, they would take they'd take Kaku in a second. I, I guarantee you, they would take Kaku. I in agree a second. because He's... everybody, everybody who I know on social media who knows a Ranger fan that retweets or whatever posts into my timeline, and I'm reading it. Outside of their 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 stupid oh Marty Bordeaux is fat. Yeah. stabs and why Uncle Daddy. <laughs> they're always like saying that all oh, the devil's gonna fuck this up for us and, and i'm like if you if you actually pay attention to hockey and not be a fucking homer you you would realize that this it's is a, a one win it's a one one a situation yeah. both guys are going to help an organization it's just how your organization wants to be built moving forward the rangers have always been score the fuck ton of goals because we got henrik we got the king in, in, in net right and the devils have more been systematic Right, it's always the Devils haven't always signed or drafted the best player. They drafted or signed the best player that fits in our system. Like a need, right? It's like they say, draft based on need right. versus best and, I mean, at the spot. Either way, we'd be fine with with those. I was just wondering if if Ray would ever consider trading that pick, <clears throat> and then you have on the bottom that you know you don't give away a winning lottery ticket, so. Yeah, but that, but if you all right, so with the question you just asked, ta, what we can start with this. TSN basically put out that I guess people uh, asked Ray Shiro, Ray Shiro told people, and it got bled out that um, says, you know, what do you think? Of, would you ever trade the first pick? And he said, you don't ever throw away a lottery ticket. I think you still have a lottery ticket in the fact of you have a top two, where there's little, legitimately okay. This draft starts at pick three. Yeah, right? it really does. It really does. So if you have one or two, it doesn't matter because you're getting a great player. You're plus, getting a player that's going to help you this season. Plus, you're getting prospects that now help develop your um, organization in the long term, right? So I, I, I don't see how... Look, now, if he was going to trade the first for a third and, like, I don't know, Jamie Benn or what or what have you, you know what I mean? Like, something like that. I, I don't think he would do that. If you no. want to stay in that top two, sure. It was just but, a, one of those, like, what-if kind mm-hmm. of things, like... If they offered to give us, I don't know, they have like three good goalies coming up. They have like two Russian kids and whatnot. Oh, like the one we traded for? If you gave us like a fucking, the second pick in one of those prospects or Mm -hmm. where they said, hey, Adam Fox, welcome to New Jersey. (laughs) The ink hasn't even dried on your contract. Where are you going across the river, son? Sorry. (laughs) Welcome to the business. You were going to live in Jersey anyway, right? And just take the path over. So a little bit of uh, Devil's E news. We've signed two of our prospects to entry-level deals, Mikhail Matsev and Fabian Zutterland. Sure, that's for, that's for later. I don't, I don't really foresee The Matsev kid I could see pushing, pushing somebody out. Pushing somebody like, uh, like an Anderson, mm-hmm. Rooney, out. Because he's been playing against men. The Kapukaku situation. Yes. Right, for, for years now. And, you know... For the last, what, let's see, he was taken in three years ago? Yeah. So he, he's been playing the last four years against men and playing in international tournaments and whatnot with the Russian team. I don't think he's going to be a big scorer or anything, but he's going to be, he'll be in our lineup he'll be, he'll be sometime in our, right, sometime 
in, in the future. next year. Okay. But I would say both these guys are going to start off in or Bings are going to start off in the AHL. Yep. Um, the hockey writers, um, I guess, because they need content, um, <laughs> mentioned: Should the Devils go ahead and trade for Jeremy Brocco? Who is Jeremy Brocco? You ask. Was he in The Sopranos? Uh, which version? The the one where they he goes to sleep in an ice cream parlor, or the one that they're currently filming in Newark and trans, transforming everything again? Yeah. yeah. Highly talented Jeremy Brocco is continuing to make him a name for himself in the AHL with the Toronto Marlies. Second season in the AHL, the 22-year-old Long Island native, because there's always a tie-in to New Jersey in the tri-state area, uh, doubled his line stats from the year before, leading the team with 79 points, 22 goals, 57 assists, and 125 total AHL games. The right winger has upped his total to 111 points. Is he at RFA, or is he... Or is he still under contract? Um, article doesn't necessarily say what he is. So, here's Assume, the thing. Like, yeah, he put up a ton of points in the AHL. So did uh, uh, Reed Boucher. And uh, Quinville. Right. So, I mean, well, this guy put up a ton more points than fucking well, Quinville did. I get it. But. but here's my thing with, like, Toronto's not going to get rid of him until they know what is going to happen with Mitch Marner. Mm-hmm. Because this could be a guy that slides into the lineup if Marner's gone. Very true. So, while it would be nice, look, you want to take Quinville and we'll take this guy? Maybe we'll throw in somebody else, you know, to put in there with you or maybe a third or fourth round pick? Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, it can't hurt, especially since we're a little thin on the right wing. Anyway, I mean, after you get past Brat, who's really a left wing, and Palmieri, it's a little thin on the right wing. And also, and like and you Coleman. said, and, and everything starts with what does Toronto do with Mitch Marner? Yep. And, and and I don't think and on their whiteboard, I can assume in their draft war room, it just says Mitch Marner, and the rest of the whiteboard is blank. It doesn't even have draft picks on nothing. It's just apparently Mitch they're in negotiations, like they've been talking already. Talking's one thing. Yep. Well, we'll get to that when we talk about. Uh, do we have it in our news? That Shanahan signed a six-year deal. Uh, with uh, with the Toronto. No, with Toronto. Oh, Shanahan. Sorry. You're thinking of Sheen, mm. who actually plays for, I believe, Florida now. But looking forward uh, to the draft, as we are, I kind of did a rundown of the top five picks overall we all know that the devils are either going to take hughes or, or kaku um but you know there are other picks like you said the draft does really start at three so i went through the top five picks now some people can argue and say well this guy's not on our this person's list i went through about four or five different lists of potential top five draft picks. And I kind of averaged out where they would finish after Kapu or, or Hughes, mm-hmm. where they would finish and their strengths and their weaknesses based on four or five different scouting reports. It wasn't like I just went, what is this guy's strengths and weaknesses? And, you know, <laughs> cup and paste it. So obviously the first pick is going to be Hughes. What are the pros? He's a dynamic playmaker. He makes his teammates better. Um, he'll take a lot of stress off of Nico. One of them are going to have big years because you have to think, like, let's say it's Nico and Hall, 
and Hughes and Palmieri. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's say Nico's number one because they're going to want to match their best defenseman against Hall. Well, that's going to open up Hughes and Palmieri for the second pairing of defensemen, which might not be as strong defensively. So one of these two are going to have a big point year just because they're not going to see every team's number one line. They're going to be playing against maybe lesser value, depending on where you even put Jack Hughes. Um, He's got high-end skill. He has the ability to do it at top speed. Think Patrick Kane-like hands with his ability to go from 0 to 90 but still move around. Look at, if you're watching the playoffs, Nathan McKinnon kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That ability to do that at top speed is unreal. Um, the cons, he is small. You know, But in recent years, when you say, oh, he's small, that actually, actually ends up being a benefit now. Like, you don't... Right, but I mean, <clears throat> if you look at a guy like Dustin Bufflin, and here's Jack Hughes in front of the net trying to position himself or dig a puck out of the corner to mm. cycle, and you have Dustin Bufflin, whose wingspan is taller than him. You know, it's it's definitely... He's young. He just turned 18, like, two days ago. Yeah, yeah because he was it. <clears throat> in either the last game or one of the practices. He's wearing the full cage, and, like, two days later, boom, he gets a visor, yeah. and everybody's like, congratulations, kid, you grew up. Oh, you popped your cherry. <laughs> That's the, that was the funniest thing I think I read this week. Yeah. <laughs> he's, and because of that, I mean, I think he's like five. They have him listed at 5'10", which is generous. They probably measured him with his skates on. Um, I think they have him at like 170 pounds. I mean, that's that's not very big to be a number one center right now in the NHL. What was, uh, uh, what was Nico? Nico's six foot at least. You know, and, and What's Nico's, a couple inches? Yeah, well, that's what she said. Um, so he's not physically, overly physically strong. You're not going to see him win battles physically. He's going to win them mentally. You know, the, the stick lift at the right time kind of winning the battle, not the digging it out of the corner and, and taking it to the net. Um, will he be able to wheel and deal? You know, like will he be able to do and hold on to the puck with a bigger, stronger NHL players. So I have him compared, and this is what other people said online too, that he's compared to his style as Ryan Nugent Hopkins, where when he has the puck, you notice him. He's doing things. He's smart in all three zones, but his skill is so much better than Ryan Nugent Hopkins. It's more Patrick Kane. So Now... For, for the overreactors kind of people, you hear all of those, right? And you go, yes, I want him. Now let's go over Capricaco. Yeah, he's an elite scorer, as you've seen in the World Championship right before we started to record. He just scored another highlight real goal. Um, he's built for now to play in the NHL. I think he's like 6'1", 6'2". He's pushing 200 pounds. So, I mean, you're not talking. He's got the size. He's got the skill. Um, he's competed at a high level his you know for the last three years we've been hearing about this guy um he's going to be a great goal scorer and his possession game is going to make him probably one of the best players and help his team that's the pros the cons can he do more than score goals you know is it patrick line a 2.0 i mean don't get me wrong scoring goals is great 
it's sexy, it fits on the highlight films and all that, but every player that's a scorer goes through a drought or you hit the wall. Is he still going to help you in the sense of, is he going to be able to dish off the puck? Is he going to, you know, if he's not scoring, is he still going to draw the attention? Or is it just going to be like, oh, that's a guy, you know, we might have to worry about on the power play and that's it, like lining. Uh, comparative, his comparative style is probably more of Andre Barkov. I mean, uh, Alex Barkov is style-wise where he's a complete player. Finish, he can, he can grind it out, he can take it hard to the net, he can beat you, he could dangle around you. Um, but skill-wise, shooting-wise and stuff, he's like lining. He's a, he's a shoot first kind of dude. So you hear all of that and you go, "Oh my god, I want him." <laughs> now, I, I mean, either way, look. Okay, so so listen to this. Can you combine your your fandom for a team and your hockey sense, mix it all together, and not rely on one or the other, and say one of these picks could be a fuck up for us? One of these two. I mean. The, the only knock against Hughes is he's small, but he's got an elite talent. Is he a generational player? Is he going to be, you know, the next Connor McDavid? No, but he's going to be a player that becomes a cornerstone of your team. And I would say the same for Kapu, that they're going to be cornerstones for your team. Are they going to be, they're going to be all-stars. They're going to be, are they going to be household names like Connor McDavid? Probably not. Probably not. I mean, we're getting an elite player, just like we did with Nico. With Nico. Now, take off your your combined hat and put on your if I was GM. I still take Hughes. So so would I. I take Hughes because he's a better all around playmaker that's not just he can score goals. And he's gonna draw a lot of attention to himself. And he has the ability to make that pass to the open guy because everybody's watching him. Uh, I, I don't know if Kaku has that. I, I read somewhere that, yes, I mean, they can both take the puck into the zone. But somebody made the comparison that with Hughes' speed, he gets in and he gets going. Kaku has that whole, I'm going to hit the zone. Oh, shit, I'm blocked. I'm circling back. Let me try this again. Do the same move or whatever. Oh, shit, I'm blocked again. Let me turn around and try it a third time. Like, he doesn't have that explosive in into the zone. He's going to start pulling players towards him so he can dump the puck off. What what I see Kapu being, uh, Kapu or Kaku, however you want to, whatever we want to call him, um, what I see him as is he's not going to be the guy that carries the puck into the zone. They're going to, if let's say the Rangers take him, he it's going to be, you know, Zajinabad is going to carry the puck into the zone. And he's right behind him. So and he he's going to find that soft. He's, he's very good at finding that soft space where he's got a good distance between him and the defender, but he's still close enough mm -hmm. to be dangerous to the net. That's something he has that Hughes doesn't. Is, do we have a... a um a player like that who can dish it to him in a soft zone or somewhere in there. I like, mean, he is a right wing, so I mean, if you were if we were to take Kapu, it would I would immediately put him with Nico and Hall. And then you can move Brett to his natural left wing 
and have you would then move either Zaka mm. or Zajac up and it would be that would be your second line Zajac Brat and Palmieri so as we move on to the third pick I think in my opinion if the Devils were at third two choices would happen you either trade back for more picks if if we had the third or I would take the best defenseman at number three. Right, which is not the next guy. It's nope. the fourth guy I have on here. Yep. Uh, Dylan Cousins, big, strong, versatile, born leader. It's everything that I've read about him. Think of, a, again, I, I think of guys that I grew up watching, not so much guys today, but like think of a young Trevor Linden mm-hmm. where he could play wing, he could play center. He's a big leader. He's going to give you probably on a really good year He's going to give you 30 goals and 35 assists. He's going to be responsible defensively. Uh, you could think of Henrik. He has the ability to score clutch. He could be a power forward at center, or he could be a scoring wing. That's what everybody said. Um, he has the it factor that's going to make him popular with whatever team drafts him. So right now it's Dallas at Chicago. Three. Chicago. Oh, Chicago's at three. I'm number sorry. three. Uh, the cons are power forwards don't last too long in this league. Yes, he has good foot speed now, and he has the agility, but playing that rough and tough tumble style, look at Mut- Milan Lucic or Ryan Getzloff or Katy Perry. You know, like playing that style gets you that big contract, but as years go on, tick-tock, tick-tock. Yeah. And all the comparative things I've seen about Dylan Cousins is – He's like Ryan Kessler. Well, look at Ryan Kessler right now. The guy is, what, 32 years old, and he's going to miss the entire season this year because he's having his hip scraped. I would think that a scrape would be less intrusive than... He's already had hip surgery. (laughs) So There you go. uh, Now, the, the guy that you would probably, and I agree with you, um, Bowen, Bowen, Byram, Byram. Um, yeah, it's going to be a good one to say. He is the best defenseman in the NHL draft. If there wasn't a Kapu or Jack Hughes, this is the guy that the devils would probably take because it's filling the need that we have. Um, so let, let me, let's just throw this out there. Right. We got, we got two second round picks. Who's, who's picking fourth? Fourth is Colorado. Colorado doesn't need him. Would, would you go to Colorado and go, I yeah. have some picks, I have a player maybe you want? Nope. Trade up to three so you get him? No. I don't even think that they would take him because <clears throat> really? they're pretty stacked on defense for the next couple of years. So this guy is going to fall to five. But I'm just ranking them based yeah. on what I it's. get it. Um, he's a tremendous first-pass D-man. He's a good puck mover. He can score some goals. I think he had something around... 16 or 17 goals in the Canadian Hockey League. Um, he's going to quarterback your power play. Now his cons are, he's not exactly a strong defenseman. You know, think of as good as Eric Carlson is. He's not really the best defenseman, high risk, high reward kind of defenseman. Uh, but everything that I've read is his production offensively will outshine his mistakes defensively. And if you look at our team, I don't think it's... You know, we yes, don't need you, that yes, right you'd now. like it. You would like it to have the offensive potential from your defenseman. 
but we need shutdowns. Right. We need... And with our current defense coach, I don't think this would be a good pick in the sense that he might not progress into what they're thinking he will be. Mm-hmm. He might be taking steps back. Uh, comparative, they say John Carlson on Washington where not overly flashy, but gets the job kind of done, scores the goals. I mean, it's nice to play with Ovechkin. That'll help. And the last one I have, again, the top five can vary person to person. If you go on all about the jersey, they list all of the players that are available in the draft. I don't know how the fuck they do that, but they don't pick them like they don't, they pick them randomly. It's not like, oh, I'm going to, go in order of what Bob McKenzie has his draft as. They just randomly go like, oh, this guy's going to be a fifth-round pick. Well, why the fuck are we talking about a fifth-round pick right now? There are other podcasts who like to delve into analytics and give you, you know, stats galore and be really into it. You just come here for the entertainment part of these. Right, the entertainment. Yes, we are the entertainment the funny portion. voices. Of, yes. Waka waka. <laughs> now the next one, number five, Alex Turcotte. Uh, pros, really smart player. they talking about the best hockey sense. Uh, great playmaker, the ability to hold on to the puck, buys time for his teammates. Uh, it's not something every player can do, especially at his age. I think he's 18. Um, he's quick. He's an agile skater. He's rarely caught out of position. So think of, if you want to compare it to somebody devil-wise, it would have been somebody like Adam Henrique. Mm-hmm. Always in the right position, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Henrik's more of a shooter than this kid is. The cons, strength and size. He's not overly large for a center. Um, it translates into his shot if you're not really strong. He's a playmaker at heart, so he often has a pass-first mentality, which right now the league is all about people who can shoot. Um, he was able to hide on the USA team because he was the second center behind Hughes, mm-hmm. so he wasn't facing the best. He will be a good player. They're comparing him to Paul Stasny, who is on um, Vegas, right? Vegas. I was going to say St. Louis, but no. He, he was left. on St. Louis last year. <clears throat> so that's our top five picks. Tell us what you think, if I'm right or wrong. Uh, if you leave a comment about our top five picks, I will probably respond with fuck you. So, Wow. And not because of an auto reply. No, no. You will take the that time. Is, you'll take the time. a great auto reply if someone wrote on your wall or wrote on or tweeted at you, twatted at you. <laughs> yeah, what's the proper word for that? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I will respond if you write to us. So now the NHL news. You go from Gary Bettman soundboard to music soundboard <laughs> in a matter of weeks. Uh, Ryan Kessler out. He has hip surgery. They're saying his career could possibly be in danger. That Any, anytime you talk about a hip and hockey. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. A, I'll tell you why. I mean, I've, I've known a lot of older guys that my brothers played with that played for years and years and years, and they all had hip problems. I mean, I have hip problems, not anything near this because I don't play every day but or at all anymore. Um, but hip surgery, it's the, it's the motion in skating. Mm-hmm. that it's not natural to your body. Yeah, because like you're it's walking. Not, right, walking, walking is, is that... one foot in front of the other while skating in hockey skates, not figure skates, is side to side. So it's not natural, and 
if it's amazing how like if you don't bend your knees enough or you bend them too much or if you're you know your ass is sticking out or your shoulders are back too far just the slightest little thing you can, tweak something and can totally fuck up everything down, in your yeah. body so they're saying that he's not going to play this year that's rough. How do you replace those points? Yeah, well, he really didn't season? play. You could, if you watched him last year, he was struggling last year, struggling. Well, you still you're gonna you're gonna assume that he would quote unquote bounce back. He would give the X amount of like. How do you replace those points on a team that's where it's at? The, the more important question is how are you gonna bury his like six million, seven million dollars? He's gonna go on the long term. Long term, right? But. Phew, they're I mean, saying that he it's going to take him a year of rehab. Good God. And after that, he might they might be able to you know, resume his career. That is scary. Speaking about the most deadly score, electrifying man yeah, on skates. On skates. He's a he's a Russian draft pick waiting to happen. Waiting to happen. He's he's the KHL's number 1 draft pick every year. Every year. He's Donald Trump's best friend. <laughs> Putin on the Ritz, come on down. Eight goals in a charity game. <clears throat> Holy shit. It, did you watch any of those highlights? No. Oh, my God. First of all, he's a bender. He's, uh, and if I end up missing, this is why. <laughs> <laughs> but he is horrible. Think of your men's league yes. game that's on at like 10 o'clock when yeah. you're leaving a rink. And he's worse. And tripoding, and he's one of those guys. And he scored eight goals. And if you watch the play, you'll see, like, he's coming down with the puck and a defenseman will, like, sprint towards him. Like, I'm going to take you. And then they, like, turn left. Like, oh, man, he's good. He he beat me wide. (laughs) (laughs) And the goalie just looks like he's doing fucking jumping jacks in the ring. Like, uh, like trying to make it look good. If I I save, he kills. (laughs) Yeah. If I stop puck, I go missing. I end up in road. <laughs> <laughs> I end up in Jersey but Forest. At the end, yeah. At the end uh, of the game, he's skating around, like waving to the fans, and mm. he's looking up into the crowd and waving. Does not see the red carpet. Oh, yeah, the guy drifted. And he does the fucking flare flop. <laughs> and if you. That's the funny part, but if you watch that the first time and watch him fall, you know, play the Benny Hill as he falls, watch it again, and then watch former devil Slava Fetitsov's face when he sees Putin fucking just flare flop it onto this carpet because he didn't see it. It's holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. Good times. <laughs> the big guy, he went down. Somebody got to help him. Speaking of a big Russian going down. Yeah. Sergei Bobrovsky uh, uh, put his Columbus condo, condo up for sale. Uh, he was interviewed by someone. I want to say it was Sportsnet. Mm-hmm. Him and Panarin sitting by the pool in <laughs> Florida. And they said, hey, uh, great season. You know, you know, ended badly and all that stuff. Do you want to comment on your upcoming UFA status? And they went to Panarin, and Panarin kind of, like, smiled and went, no. And Bobrovsky's like, well, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, we'll see where it goes. Meanwhile, he's sitting by the pool in Miami. (laughs) Look. 
But the other thing too is, didn't somebody come out and ask Panarin, like, you know, so what would you think about go? What would you like to talk about the rumors about you going to Florida? And his response was, they don't have any fans. Yeah, but they have them when it counts. Like everyone said the same about the Islanders. Everybody said the same about Carolina, and they're showing up. I mean, yes, it sucks. And you could say the same about the Devils. Mm-hmm. Like you go to a Tuesday night game against Carolina. And there's fucking nobody there. You got leg room for years. Yeah, you if you were 19 feet tall, you'd put your leg in the seats in front of you and not hit anybody. Okay, but when the playoffs come, playoffs come. How about this? Everybody about, shows up. How about when the dollar signs come? He'll show up. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah, they're gonna. He's gonna get. And I think we talk about this next week. I talk about, or the week after, I talk about UFAs. Yeah, and, and the boatloads. And the getting. potential of where they're going to go. He, if he, he might go to Florida if he's looking for money tax-free but doesn't really give a shit in front of playing in front of 17 people. Or you might go to the Rangers or the Islanders where he's not going to get as much money, but, yeah, you're going to play in front of a crowded house every night. And where would you go? At this age in my life or his <laughs> age? Ah, uh, him, not you. If, I, if I'm if i him and you're looking, again, it's tough. Like, Russians, you often always think, like, I want money. <laughs> yeah. Give me money. But Give me money. I show you the goals. Does he want to win? Because, I mean, going to Florida right now, even if Bob Roski goes there, they're a good team, but they're going to have to clean out a lot of shit to fit these two. You know, like Mike Hoffman might not be staying there. It's true. You know, uh, well, who's the other guy? Jonathan Hubido might not be staying there if they're going to clear all this room to get these guys. But again, July 1, the most exciting time of the year for hockey. Uh, the Ottawa Senators have asked to interview Rick Bonus for their head coaching job. Uh, Bonus was actually the first head coach of the team back in 1992. Killer mullet. Killer mullet in 1992. Does this scream where the Ottawa Senators are in this point in their organizational history? (laughs) I mean, you're going back to to the dude who just, hey, expansion, hey, here's your job to... I mean, he's an assistant coach somewhere. It wasn't like he's been sitting at home reading books since 19... Well, still. But he's. I think he's the favorite, and from a PR standpoint... I mean, granted, that Ottawa team was pretty fucking horrible, but you can sell, you know, like, we're going back to our roots, you know, change the jersey, go back to the original Ottawa jerseys, like, to the, te- s- to the tens of fans who right, season tickets, whatever, you know, you've, you've got to sell it to the fans mm-hmm. that we're doing something for you. We're look, we're trying to show that we're stable. Okay, we went from Lyft to Twitter. We went from Twitter, not Twitter, from Uber to, to, Uber to Lyft, Lyft. Yeah, you know, kind of thing. But I, they haven't named the head coach yet. They're talking about Jacques Martin, who was also a coach for them for years. Right. Uh, I think once the season ends, they're going to want to, you know, interview guys that are assistant coaches and stuff. Now, isn't that how it kind of works out? That like, if you haven't named your head coach, it's really because it's almost like how football works. Yeah, you I mean, haven't named your head coach yet because the, your head coach in waiting is still in the playoffs. Right. Can't Anaheim still doesn't have a coach. Yeah. Um, who else? Which is funny, right? If you don't have a coach by now and fast forward, what, 30 days 
it's the draft. If you yeah. don't have a head coach by then, what, like, how do you? Well, I think that's why moving on to the next one, Buffalo officially named Ralph Kruger their head coach. Former Swiss, right? A Swiss head coach? Uh, Denmark, maybe? Uh, it was overseas, I know that yeah. much. But he coached for Edmonton for a while um, and apparently got fired via text message. Uh. Like, stay in, stay in Europe. <laughs> Don't come back. Stay home. Um, this could be a home run for them. It could also be strike three because he's he's a super positive guy. He is. And, you know, if you listen to Spit and Chicklets, they talk about how he's a very positive, focus on the good news kind of guy. But on the other side, you're going into probably a really toxic environment right now where Buffalo had such high expectations. At one point, I want to say at Thanksgiving, they were like the third or fourth best team in the league. And then they missed the playoffs. They weren't even close to the playoffs. And for the GM, this is his probably last chance because he struck out twice on coaches already. He hired Blasma. Jason Botterold hired Dan Blasma. Didn't work. Then he hired Phil Housley. After two years, that didn't work. So, I mean, if you're the owner of the team, if you're the Pagulas, Pagulas yeah. you're, you're looking at this as, all right, buddy, you know, this is your last fucking shot before we, you're fired with him. So. Do you think Balsma and Housley got fair shots? Housley did. He did? Yeah. Only two after years two is, years? Two years is two years. You know, like, and the fact that his team went from being one of the top five teams at Thanksgiving to being one of the bottom five teams with the roster that they have, you you got to look at the coach. I mean, it's, it's, a lo- it's a losing environment that it's the coach's job to kind of whip into shape because once you let that one or two players and from what they said like he is big on body language really and you know you shrug it's it's one of the worst things when i was coaching and you just see a kid who's hanging his head or like just you know throws his hands up when a guy misses a pass like that kind of shit just trickles down and it's it's like a cancer it starts with one kid and then it goes to another and goes to another. And the next thing you know, they're walking into games going, man, how bad are we going to lose this game? Like, right. You know, and and that's exactly probably what it was like for the Sabres. I'm not saying all the players are like that. I mean, but you're, you're walking into those games and using the joke, it's a Tuesday night Buffalo versus Carolina game. <laughs> right. How are you going to get yourself up when you've lost six in a row? That's every coach's thing, right? It's like, how do you break your team out of a slump? You you know that they've, you know them since, you know, since they got their nuts cupped and saying, okay, you passed your physical. So I mean, how, do you, how do you, like, as a coach, right, how did you figure out ways to, I'm I, granted I know that they're not superstars and right. they're paying millions of money. You were coaching kids and all that kind of stuff. But how do you get them motivated when you know today's not the day? You, you try to go, I mean, it, again, you're talking about high school where you're only playing like 20 games, but, and there were games that I remember my first year we were playing in the state playoffs for the first time in years and we were playing against one of the top seeds and deep down, you know, you're getting yeah, smoked. It, yeah. Okay. But I walked into that locker room and I was like, look, all the pressure is on them. Okay. 
they're the ones that are that have to win right we don't you know if we go up and we show that we we put up a fight and we we fought hard and that we tried our best and i know that sounds corny Corny, and cliched but like the best thing that you and I, i had a lot of seniors on that team i said the thing i want you to leave playing is that you gave it your all that you tried your best and that if you were to win this game you would you'd be able to rip their hearts out and and that's what you need to motivate it like when your body says you want to quit you have a bigger heart than them because they're coming into this game kind of like oh this is a fucking run over team like you know we're going to run over this team and i mean we lost six nothing and i think we had like four shots on goal because they were they were a good team right but they beat the team after us like 10 nothing and they beat the team and they went all the way to the state finals and then they lost but like I never saw our team so fired up to walk out of that locker room. And you kind of have to build, you have to paint the picture for them. You, now, you, it, you it, shot big, but you used little bricks to right. do it just to say, just a little motivating things to, to get there. So that's but fine. if I'm a pro and we're on my six game losing streak, you have to do silly shit. You have to do like, something. You have like to what do Carolina s- does for their goal score. No. Stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. But on the other side, like, don't come into practice the day of a game or, you know, a morning skate or the, the day before a game. Do something fun. Do something stupid. Do like, oh, we're going to play baseball. Oh, we're going to play freeze tag. You know, where they're like, they might be like, oh, man, this freeze. is stupid. Like, this is about, like, what are we doing? But then you go out and you beat the team three to two and you're like, shit, it works. Right. Like, you look at St. Louis. They were fucking awful. And it, all it took them was a win song. To get their team motivated. And it's a cheesy win song. Gloria. Gloria. Yeah, I think Gloria. I think Glo- Glorious. Yeah. No. But you have Robert, all it takes you have Robert is. Robert Rude. Yeah. All it takes is you got to break up the monotony of yeah. that. that uh, the grind of hockey. Right. Yeah, and it's a, I mean, it's a grind. It's I mean, I remember playing in college and it's like you wake up, you go to class. All right. You eat lunch. All right. You might go to another class. Then you go to practice. Drive to practice. Oh, it's the same fucking eight drills that we do every day. Oh, we're going to do the power play. Go home. Like, it, it becomes like a job. You need to throw something fun in there so that it gives them motivation the next time they're on the ice to be like, man, that was fun. Like, yeah, I know our power play sucks. All right, fine. All the defensemen use a righty stick if you're lefty. Like, something that mixes it up. All right. You do a silly shootout. You do, you know, like you do something to get their mind off the fact that it's it's not sucks good right yeah. now. Right. And you bring out, or you, or you do drills that are compete level, depending on the kind of coach you are. You know, if you're a dick coach, you do drills where it's like the person comes out of that corner with the puck wins. The person who doesn't everybody skates so now you don't want to you don't want to lose that drill and then you walk into the next day before the game and you'd be like if you want to keep doing skating drills tomorrow don't be the guy in the corner without the puck and if you keep if you hear that all season long and you're in the playoffs do you tune that out by that time again it's tough because the na i mean i'm talking high school which is 20 something games 
I, I often have said, and sitting next to you, I was like, what do you say? Like when the devils were really shitty this year and <clears throat> the year two, two, three years ago, I, like, what do you say? Like, all right, we lost another one goal game. Hmm. All right. I guess we'll see you tomorrow in practice. Like, what do you say for 82, almost a hundred games? If you, you can't, you, you really can't go that well, probably more than twice and hopefully not more than three times in, in, in a two week span, but, and at what point do the players have to say something? You know, it's you, you hear about teams that do player only meetings and whatnot. I think if I was in the NHL and coaching, I wouldn't say anything after a game. I'd have the assistant coach go in there and be like, tell them tomorrow practice 11 o'clock. And then you say it tomorrow at practice. You let everybody sleep on it because at the time emotions are running high Everybody's fucking fired up from losing, losing the fight, losing the battle, letting in a shitty goal, missing the net, hitting the post, whatever. Get it out of your system. Go home, go to the bar, do whatever you have to do. Tomorrow we have practice, morning skater practice. Then you sit down, right? It's a new day. (laughs) Yes, it is. And then you (laughs) go from there. I love doing this show. (laughs) (laughs) Oh! Jersey. Don't you dare be, be sour. sour. <laughs> Clap and listen for your number one draft pick, Jack Hughes. <laughs> that's 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 Jack Hughes' entrance for for the game, the first game. <laughs> it's a new day, yes it is. Boom. <laughs> and, and you just have he all comes out throwing <laughs> pancakes. <laughs> Jack, um, there's a pancake mix, something called Hungry Jack. Yeah. Oh, there's a sponsor, Ray. Oh, man. Ray, are... 10%. Come on, man. Come on. The, the, <sighs> as long as I don't have to see that fucking Corey TD Bank commercial anymore. Hungry Man Jack. And you just show Jack Hughes eating pancakes. <laughs> and... Because hockey players have no per- have no personality, you just it, it it takes like 500 takes. Cause like, can you smile a little bit, Jacoby? It's fucking pancakes, man. You know I'm only 18 and I don't know how to cook for myself. But life's tough on the road, and I need to get my nutrition for the NHL. And he takes the. That's mic. why I eat hungry Jack because Jack is hungry. Bang. <laughs> and you show him like scoring a goal and then taking a chicken wing out of the fucking frozen dinner it's hey, made ref. with real chicken <laughs> so I know it's good hey ref check it <laughs> yeah. that's another commercial I could do without now I, I'm, and I'm the opposite I could fucking watch that all day long that makes me laugh every single time so playoff news, uh, the Hurricanes suck right now. How weird is it, and I heard this on a couple of different podcasts, that so the Islanders swept the yep. Penguins. And then got the swept. The Canes swept the Islanders, and now Boston is going to sweep the Canes. How, uh, God, how, um, I'm assuming they talked about what's the record for that. Yeah, I think it's happened like five or six times, but like I don't think it's ever happened in a single playoff. Playoffs. <laughs> um, but Justin Williams said that, you know, after I think it was game two, 
that, oh, we got to have a, you know, sometimes we have to eat the poop sandwich. Mm-hmm. Like, people are flipping out about this. Like, they're saying, like, oh, man, what kind of role model is that for you to say, like, oh, sometimes you got to eat shit. Like, that's what he wanted to say. He wanted to say that, like, look, sometimes you play your ass off and you still lose. And you just have to eat that shit sandwich and come back the next day and try harder. That's all he was saying. Like, Jesus. And that kind of and and going back to the previous conversation, you could use that as a fucking reference too. As your head coach walks in, he goes, "Guys, we fucking lost. We know we lost. We sucked. Eat your shit sandwich. Come back tomorrow. Let's go." Walk yeah, out, that's you, all. you can't say that in high school because some kid will go home and fucking complain to his mom. <laughs> Meanwhile, this kid's singing Cardi B songs. Coach, coach told me to eat free cold. Coach matter. told me I'm a, I, that I have to eat a shit sandwich. No, he would turn around and say. Coach told me that I was a piece of shit and I should eat myself. Uh, Last episode, we talked about how the refs fuck things up. Yes. If you watched the shark game last night, an overtime goal was basically scored with a hand pass. Mm -hmm. Um, And we talked about this before we started recording, but yeah, it sucks for St. Louis. It does. And, but the problem is the rules say, you can't review a hand pass unless the puck goes off of your hand into the net. Right. So a hand. So, but they can call. They can do a stoppage of play and a, and a whatever with a hand pass in the zone or something. Right. But they didn't at the time. So you can't go back and be like, we should have called a hand pass here. You can't. Even if all of the refs saw it, or I mean. All let's say a linesman saw it and right. didn't call it. <clears throat> you can't go back. It sucks. It it really does suck. But you know, you won't see those refs after this round. <laughs> like we were saying last time, right? Yeah, they're gonna go hang out with the guy who put the rug out and fucking Putin. <laughs> <laughs> who Putin them? Yeah. <laughs> so we've been moving on to our first segment. Yes, we've been watching the wrestling. Uh, Dark Side of the Ring. Right. Over and on uh, Viceland. On Viceland. Awesome show. I was thinking, the thing that makes like Spittin' Chicklets awesome is you're getting the stories that you would never would have heard about in the NHL. Right. Because these guys are telling them now. And I think as the years go on, it's just going to get better and better because people are going to be more open to talking about. You're not going to get current players talking but once they retire, like, I'd love to hear the story of what Connor, Mc, Connor uh, McDavid was thinking in the airport when <laughs> those Asians grabbed him to take a picture. Like, yeah, like, I'm sure he has thousands of those stories where he's like, so I was in the toilet in the mall taking a shit and <laughs> yeah. I had people waiting outside for me. And meanwhile, you just saw a conversation he had on TV going. Well, what I think our organization needs mm-hmm. to do is look deep and hearten our soul. Yeah. <laughs> and then you. So I thought what would be some of the great rumor kind of stories that they could do a docu-series on. Um, and obviously by, by the way that Viceland does it, you need like, I don't know if the word I'm going to use is the proper word, like, but like tertiary people. Like not, you don't you, need the people in it. You need you people need, that are credible sources. You adjust on the fringe because, right. because if you're on the inside and you give this story, you're like, you know, you're gone. <laughs> right. And that the NHL is not like that. But you need the fringe people. Some of these stories that would be great to hear 
like last year, the whole Eric Carlson, Mike Hoffman thing. Like mm-hmm. that would be you, a good one. You'd yes. want it. Like, you, would you watch a half hour documentary about that? Yeah. On, okay, honestly, to a certain point. Oh, if, there's if, certain stories that... If, if you're... All right, you can talk about what happened, and you can talk about the stuff that was happening around it, like people's feelings, what they thought, what the process was to try to to, to quiet it, put the flames out, that kind of stuff. You want to go deep, deep, deep into into all that kind of crap, like the backstory between how the two of them were like best friends, and then all of a sudden they want to kill each other. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I don't know. Look... Sensationalism sells. There's a reason why TMZ has its own news channel. That's what people you know want to see. I, I say it, and then I'll watch it. So the next yeah. segment has gold written all over it. Gold for the of, NHL Network. Okay. The Tyler Sagan trade from Boston. That would be a great story to hear about. How he apparently was partying too much mm-hmm. and didn't fit in with their old kind of. Old school way of old school way of thinking. Uh, Rich Peverly dying on the bench, (laughs) having a heart attack in Dallas on the ice. That would be a great story. I mean, especially since he lived, he'd be able to tell it. Uh, The story behind Kovey going back to Russia and the whole fifteen-year contract. But the whole, you know, you need in that conversation, you need Lou Lamarillo, and you think Lou Lamarillo is going to do that? Nope. Nope. But what you do? Can you get Chris Lamarillo? That's what I was going to say. You turn around and go, look, my dad told me this story, blah, blah, blah. But Chris isn't going to do it either because he wants to be an executive one day. Uh, you can have the staged fights, the Domi Probert, you know, talking about their staged fights in Madison Square Garden. Uh, GMs talking about the ridiculous contract demands that mm-hmm. people had. I think that would be good. Again, you're not going to, that's probably not going to happen because they're not going to talk about players that are still playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, um, the other one that I would honestly do like, and you even mentioned, did you mention it here? No. Um, the whole, um, Avery Brodor thing. I I'd want to see that. I want to get both, both sides. sides of it. Yes. And I don't think Avery would have a problem talking about it. No. I mean, he's wrote, he wrote about it in his book. Um, Mike Richards, Jeff Carter, when they were in Philly and how Laviolette was like, this season we're going to be a dry island. We're not going to go out and party. We're not going to drink. And they're like, yeah, fuck no. <laughs> but that's what led to them both being traded. You could also do Mike Richards and his problem, you know, getting arrested at the you, border. You need tissue? No, no, I, I think it's allergies. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of coke. I mean, pollen <laughs> in the air. Um, this one I looked up, but apparently Patrick Waugh and Matthew Schneider, when they were both playing in Montreal, this was 93 three-ish when they had just won the cup yeah Uh, apparently matthew schneider who's from new jersey even though he talks about that he is from new york york um, hooked up with patrick waugh's wife of course he did and it led to them fighting verbally in the locker room in between periods of a game wow (laughs) you you give up that five-hole goal like your wife spreads your legs oh yeah Maybe if you worked as hard on the ice as you work as hard on your. Um, but they it need also to, they, led, need, they need us doing commentary on this. It led to Matthew Schneider being <laughs> traded to the Islanders. It also led to Kirk Muller being traded to the Islanders, and Kirk Muller did not want to go to the Islanders, so he kind of like held out and pissed and moaned. Uh, Patrick Waugh being traded to Colorado. Be a nice story. Would be a good one. How about how? All right, now how about this? How about 
the Devils as a team having to go through the Brodeur situation where he had to divorce his wife because he slept with his wife's sister, like... Yeah, but it doesn't really involve... Yeah, but that's a that's team, off, though. That's, yeah, but that's off the ice. Oh, you want stuff. on... I want stuff that involves things on the ice. You know, like, mm-hmm. play, like the next one I have, the Danny Heatley story. Like, first of all, he killed someone accidentally, Danny Schneider. He killed them in a car crash. And then you could talk about how Danny Heatley had to deal with that. Yeah. And how he went from being the hottest young scorer in the league to just disappearing. <laughs> to disappearing, being traded multiple times mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. The other one that I forgot to put on here, and I can't believe I left it off, is the Eric Lindros Philadelphia story. Because there are rumors about Lindros hooking up with this guy's daughter and... Lindros hooking up with either Brendamore's wife or LeClaire's wife and getting the shit beat out of him in the locker room, which led to him getting another concussion. Like, these are the kind of stories that if you go online and type, you know, like behind the scenes or locker room, <coughs> NHL right. locker room stories, they always pop up. I just think it'd be it would be a good series, like you said, if you can get credible people yeah, it... connected to the story. Not involved, but connected, like an equipment manager kind of thing. In today's world, it's one of those, yes, you've read all the rumors, and because you're always sucked into reality-based things, like you, essentially you want to know, was it true or not? You want to get that info and then move on. Like closing the door on on a rumor and all that kind of stuff. If if it's really really a juicy story, sure, put it out there and, and, and do it. As long as it's done in a... If if it's done to, it's not smear, done in a slandering yeah. way. If you're gonna smear somebody, don't bother. If yeah, but just, it's always gonna make like we're gonna talk about the Montreal screw job on Viceland one on the dark side of the ring. That really a makes Vince look like a dick. Mm-hmm. It makes Earl Hebner look like a dick, and it makes Shawn Michaels look like an asshole. I don't think see for Hebner you can't because. Michaels Michaels had and has a job in the WWE right. Bret Hart had his job in WCW. Earl Hebner's what? Looking there going, oh, shit, if I get fired, where do I go? Like, it's a referee. Right, but then don't promise. Don't promise Bret Hart. You know, like, oh, I'm going to make sure I would never do that on my kids kind of bullshit. Like, be like, look, Bret, I have a boss. You know, I don't have the ability like you to float float and make millions somewhere else. So my second segment <clears throat> that I thought was would be an awesome show. Pack your shit. So if you follow Mike Commodore, oh boy, <laughs> Mike Commodore, former Devil, um, he's he's got some great one-liners. He's got his in one, which means you're going out and getting hammered. I'm getting in one. Mm-hmm. But his other one is during trade deadline. He tries to be a trade deadline insider, <laughs> and. When someone gets traded, he tweets out, pack your shit. So, obviously, the NHL Network wouldn't go for that. No. But I would have it as, but pack your things. <laughs> okay? But, like, interview people who have been traded and what, like, the player, what they felt. This is something that I think that the GM and the player would both be okay with. Especially if you go back to trades and, like... You know, you know how many times Peter Cicerelli is going to be on the I show? <laughs> Especially if you go back to, like, the 80s and the 90s. 
Yeah. Where you, you turn around and go, well, why'd you trade this guy? All right, enough time's passed. We know why. Right. So, like, the Tyler Sagan. What did this 18-year-old kid do? There's a Peter Shirelli trade for you. You know, I'm sure Sagan would be like, they thought I was partying too much. They thought I was hanging out at the wrong element. They thought that, you know, the older guys, the Charas and the, you know, Bergerons and, and all that mm-hmm. didn't think that I was... And get his side of the story and then get the GM side of the story. Especially since Peter Shirelli ain't fucking doing anything right now. So who, what does he have to say for? The Lindros trade, it's almost 30 years. We're old, dude. Now? Yeah, we're old. Oh, what did... I mean, this one's kind of been talked about a little bit. He didn't want to go to Quebec. He, His parents didn't want him to... Whatever. But, like, get Bobby Clark's side. Get Lindros' side. They've patched up things now. Mm-hmm. Have them in the same room. And, you know, ask, like, why'd you trade me? You know, like, why'd you trade for me? And then why'd you trade me? Kind of thing. Um, Chelios from Montreal to Chicago. Great story. The owner at the, uh, the time thought that Chelios was partying too much and he would ruin the Habs brand. So he traded him because right. he didn't want to hurt the image. Uh, the story of Pronger, I'm sure he wouldn't talk about this, but after the Edmonton Oilers went to the Stanley Cup Finals, as soon as the series was over and they lost, his wife hated Edmonton and the rumor is she went to her husband and said, demand the trade out. And the next year he got, that year he got traded to Anaheim and they went on to win the cup. Evander Kane in Winnipeg, apparently Bufflin and Evander Kane didn't see eye to eye. And Tim Dayoff made the deal to trade Patrick Kane. You look at, you look at all these, like all, all these rumors. I just, I just said the rumors. Of family, of like none of this ends up being one of those. It's a hockey trade, like our our well, friend up north likes to say. The, the difference is, is when you watch it on TV and you talk to the GM, right. they're going to sell it as this was a hockey trade. Like the next one, Subban for Weber. Okay, now as Montreal Mark Bergevin can say, he can go. Look, we weren't going to have the money to sign him and Pacioretty and all right. of these guys. So I signed him. I traded him for Shea Weber, who I know, bang, this is how much he's getting paid. It's a guarantee. I have cap certainty with it. On the other side, you can look at the rumors that Subban was shining too bright in Montreal and ruining the brand and hurting the image of the Habs, even though he was donating tens of millions of dollars. <laughs> it's 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 funny when you bring up Subban and everybody goes for the negative, and all the only retort you have is, look at his generosity, and that should outweigh pretty much anything. It should, but <laughs> it doesn't. Uh, and I mean, you can go into the whole racist part of hockey mm-hmm. to talk about him too. Like if Subban was white, would they be saying the same shit that he's flamboyant? No. I'm not saying flamboyant like he's gay. I meant like no, that he's he's a big shining star. Yeah. Right. I probably not. But but, I'm, but I'm sure at that point Montreal would have been like, hey, pipe down. And yes, sir. And, and we've and discussed this in the past. Like players that try to put the spotlight on themselves mm-hmm. often gets 
pushed out by the team that they're on. I mean, you look, Avery tried to put a spotlight on himself. He got traded or didn't get re-signed by the Rangers, and then he came back and tried to put the spotlight on himself, and they put him in the minors. Mm-hmm. Subban, you know, like guys that try to do that, put the spotlight on themselves, doesn't really work. Especially for us. Especially for us. Having having a guy in the front office be like, bless you, with yeah. uh, <laughs> God, goddamn flies, being basically like, you're a New Jersey devil. You want to know why? Look at the front of your jersey. Don't look at the back. Look at the front. That's all that matters. Yeah, we don't have that anymore, though. Um, I mean, Palmieri's got a full-up beard. Yeah, it, we have numbers. We have weird numbers. Yeah, I know. It's not 1 to 40 anymore. <laughs> hey, what number do you want to be, Jack? Use 43? Mm, no, you're going to be 7. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what? On to wrestling. Wrestling. A lot of, a lot of news. <laughs> a lot of news out there for us. Start the clock. Why? Fifty-one-year-old <laughs> Silver King dies in the ring wrestling some guy named Hoovatood. <laughs> <laughs> That's a shame. Like this, this motherfucker died in the ring. Who? Was, there was a guy last year too in Mexico that died in the ring. For, for if you haven't seen it, I'm sure the video is posted around. Somebody in the crowd was the crowd was videotaping pretty much the whole match. And it looked like at a certain point, they say when Juventud kicked him basically in the collarbone is when he had problems and went down and all of a sudden died. He pinned him and they were all like, what the hell's going on? And like, you know, 10 minutes yeah, he went couldn't by. couldn't even turn, pull him over. Yeah, a, he tried him. it a couple times. But essentially what happened is right before that, he kind of went down to one knee and like he couldn't pick himself back up and he kind of lifted his head like, help me? Like it looked like like, like when it was like, you lift up and you go like, help me? He went, he, he did a, a flying arm bar. Yep. A uh, clothesline. Sorry, flying clothesline. And when he connected and went down, it's like he couldn't get back up. And, and then, and I you, mean. Usually a lot of people say, hey, when somebody's injured, you, you, you they do, the hand, X, hand, yeah. do the X and, and get him. The ref was like, what the hell's going on? Hoovitude was like, what the hell's going on? And Hoovitude just tried to do the finish and just kicked him in the head and pinned him. I don't think the kick had anything no, to I've, do with him dying. I I've, think. He, I, I think at that point, I think he was already dead. I think no, I don't think he was dead. I think that it was just like I don't know if it was a heart attack or a mm. stroke or whatever, but it it hit him at that moment. Yeah, I mean it's timing wise, it absolutely sucks. Absolutely, it, if, sucks. if you've seen the movie The Wrestler, yes, that that's the kind of that his last match, Randy the Ram. That's kind of the feeling that it had when I was watching it on TV. The mm. scary thing is them doing fucking CPR in the middle of the ring on the guy. Yeah. If you wanted to see what it was like for Owen Hart, I'm sure that's as close as you could possibly yeah. get. If if you can find any of that. I'm sure the WWE no, is... No, that shit's locked up because that was before cell phones yeah. and cameras and whatnot. And I'm sure anybody that had like, like a regular photography camera, the WWE was like... <laughs> yeah, excuse me. Here's a here's a good boatload of money. Give yeah. me. <laughs> I mean, there are there is a picture of Owen like laying in the ring underneath the turnbuckle, and then like somebody doing. You could see like the uh-huh. hands crossed on the chest. But uh, Sheamus might have to retire. That's a reason why the bar was broken up. 
He has some kind of what, like neck thing, Spinal right? stenosis. Oh, yeah. That's the same thing that Edge yeah. and uh, Stone Cold. That my grandmother has. Yeah, it's... It sucks. Let's just pull... Let's just do it that. No. Yeah. But some people came out and said that, oh, it's bullshit that he just has a concussion. You know, that's why he's away. Look, I like Sheamus and all. I'm not losing any sleep over Sheamus. And nor are we over Cesaro. Two guys that potentially had a really good... I think Cesaro will have a good push now because he's not in a tag team. Like, he can... He just needs... He should be a Paul Heyman guy. Cesaro? Uh... It it would give him instant credibility. He's won the Andre the Giant thing. Mm -hmm. Like, he's, he's got a good look to him. I mean, he's ripped. He's... He's relatively okay on the mic. He'll be in AEW next year. <laughs> Speaking of AEW, what, what we were talking about last week has now come to fruition. They are now officially signed in October, October 1st. TNT, back on Turner. Welcome to Monday Night Show there today! Oh, <laughs> uh, when, I, when I saw them put out, and if you follow our Twitter account, <clears throat> when they put out the whole promo thing of, you know, AEW is, is now on TNT and they had the flames going on in the background of the picture, I said, ah, oh, look at that. You use the uh, Monday Nitro flames. Congratulations. <laughs> I, I just and, you know, they, they had all the they had Cody because he's really the the face of that company right now. Um, they had him like they asked him, are you going to compete with WWE? And he's like, no, he goes, it's not about competing with wwe he says it's about putting out a good product and letting the people decide for themselves which you know what is a good way to sell it you're not going into this saying hey we're going to beat you because you know what after the first week of ratings when you get squashed where do you go from there and october 1st is a tuesday so they will not be going head to head no they'll be going smackdown it's still it's a it's a wwe product that they're going up against but it's i mean it's it's best for wrestling right now and, you know, talking about, we did do an all-wrestling show, which is coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll probably be after the playoffs, I would assume. Okay. We'll do it just because, you know. There's still the playoffs. It's still the, the playoffs. Draft so, we, no, well, no, we can go between the, the, the playoffs and the oh, draft. Oh, that's right, because it's, it's literally a, a couple weeks. So yeah, that's it's, fine. so we'll do it then. But, spoiler uh, alert. Spoiler alert. Yeah, it's, it's things that you have to, that WWE has to do to be competitive and we were talking about and i think you tweeted it out about a writer who did a who called into a show Mm -hmm. to talk about the problems and that there's one major problem in the wwe and it's vince mcmahon yes so we're going to talk about that and i wrote down and i wrote this you know how to fix the wwe Mm -hmm. um before this interview became public and my number two, sorry to give uh-huh. away, is to get rid of Vince. Like, leave him as an on-air personality, mm-hmm. but take, I don't want to say strip him, but because knowing Vince, he would strip down, um, to take away his creative control. He won't. Oh, e- he won't e- do ego it. Ego won't. And so, it's all ego. So make him wrestle more, and he might silver king it. <laughs> 
there goes your shot at a writer's job. Because <laughs> I, I don't want you to die, but like I wouldn't want to be a writer and come up with a great storyline where he dies and he actually no, does. and come up with a great oh. storyline and then you oh. just nix it because. It's between you, you Finn be... Balor and Seth Rollins, and not Drew McIntyre. No, not even. You you have a you have a home run NWO, whatever. And just because Vince woke up on the wrong side of the bed, he gets squashed. No. Yeah. You don't, you don't need it. You don't need that that stress in your life. Yep. So speaking of Vince, is the uh, reason for all suckiness. If we're we're talking about the the Viceland, not Vineland, uh, Montreal screw job. Very detailed, if you watch it. Um, you can go online, and it's it's very good. Because it talks, it talks to everybody other than Vince and Shawn Michaels. It really does talk to everybody and, that was involved other and, than those two. And the more that I think about it, I think I actually watched um, Bret Hart's, whatever that documentary. Uh, thing. Wrestling, Wrestling Shadows, in the Shadows or, or something, something like that. Yeah. So I, I've... I think about it now. Of course, it comes up now. Everything I watched in there, I'm like, I've, I've, hear, I've seen this before. I've yeah. heard this before. I remember it. That's probably where it came from. But the fact that the story did not change, just like Bret Hart said in, yep. at the, in the beginning of it, he's, the story doesn't change on my end. On, and he specifically says, on my end, it does not change. Now, fast forward to the end of it. Somebody asks and poses the question. Oh, no, it was Scott Hall, wasn't it? Yeah. No, or something. Yeah, it was. It was Scott Hall. That is it a work is it not a work he brought up some good points that the camera angles and that like vince would never let if it was a screw job where brett wasn't in on it yeah like would vince ever let the camera angle be set up so perfectly that it shows him getting spit in the face again we are talking and we are commenting on this 20 years later We've seen footage on it. We're not talking about it the day after. So stuff's come out. We've seen the whole video. So would he ever like would Vince ever let him do the WCW thing on air? No. Today, absolutely not. Look at what he's trying to do to stop wrestlers from going to conventions that have other wrestling promotions in their whatever. Right. I mean, let's just put it this way. I, I know I know it's a local thing, but like down in Wildwood, right? They have a card collector's expo where people with jerseys and comic books and wrestling figurines and all that kind of stuff show. They get one like old school wrestler or whatever, go there and Coco? sign up. He may have been there one year. Okay. So let's just say, this, you know, small little town, a short town in New Jersey and whatever. And, and you know, I don't know, um, Kurt Angle or whoever, Sting, is said to be there for an autograph session, right? Oh, okay. So we're going to get I don't know, Dustin. Dustin's or Billy Gunn or whatever. Vince gets word. Wait, hold on. Nope. AEW's in, in the, at the at a Jersey one little stupid Jersey Shore town. Oh, no! Stop! Stop so, being that's, stupid. That's the stuff I think will change when Shane and Stephanie. Oh, absolutely. And Triple H take They're over. They're going to have to be honest, almost like Eric Bischoff was honest with WCW with the whole giving away gimmicks and all that kind of shit. You kind of brought reality to wrestling. Yes, it's entertainment. That's yes. exactly what he says yeah. all the time. That I wanted to make, he goes, I wanted to stop wrestling from being fairy tale, good guy, bad guy, yay! Mm -hmm. And he goes, I wanted it to be reality. So that the guy at home can go, man, 
I feel for the NWO. I want to be like them. They're the old school guys. They're the boss. Is this real? Is this not real? You're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. And and I, you have to bring wrestling into today. It, it can't be. Look, if if you're going to rewrite stories of what happened in the 80s and, and 70s and all that kind of stuff, fine. But put today's flavor on it so that it's a little bit fresh. You can rewrite a story with two different people. Same storyline. Because by now, how, yeah. how long has wrestling been around for? Right? Um, you can have the my manager is flirting with someone else. Yeah. And, you and, know, it's just how, and the how, Elizabeth Hulk Hogan mm-hmm. macho man angle, but new. You know, like instead of it being I knock on the door or what was it? Elizabeth fell down and Hulk carried her back. Well, instead of that, you just make it modern and you're like, oh, man, Elias liked Lana's tweet. Right. And commented on it. Like that's that's modernized modernizing yeah. it. That's why you you fucking put him in a feud with Rusev. Look, it works. It works because we're talking about it. But I, I just yeah, well, we can leave the whole what, what's going to help wrestling in the in the end. Yep. Uh, Money in the bank results. It didn't. It's this weekend. Yeah. Well, you want to even talk about it or is it? Nah, it, we'll talk about it next week. It's it's gotten to a point, and I know it's bad to say for a wrestling podcast, but it's bad to a point when. Look, I'm the I'm a huge wrestling fan. I can talk about WCW all day long. I can talk about old school WWE all the time. Anything. But when I have when I sit on my couch on a Monday night and eight o'clock comes around, and I think, do I watch Raw? And let's just say hockey's not even on. Do I watch Raw? Or do I turn on the buzzer channel and watch a stupid fucking game show from the 80s that's been well off the air and it's it's not even in high def. It's on a small square on your 50-inch TV. I will go for buzzer because I know wrestling. I'm going to turn on the first couple minutes. I'm going to see a heavyweight champ come out, get the crowd all buzzed up and doing the whole Mick Foldy line. You know, right here in Secaucus. And I can't. And I sit there and I go, I know it's going to happen. You're going to get the crowd buzzing. Some guy's going to come down. You're going to have a stare down. And then we're going to say, for the main event tonight. And, and again, if I'm not trying to pump another fucking podcast, but like if you listen to Bischoff's one, he's like, the WWE is too polished. It feels like everything is so planned and scripted. And they're going to go, all right, Seth Rollins coming down to the ring. All right, now here comes Elias, and he's going to shit talk him. And that they already have the graphic made for a cage match at 1030 between Elias and da 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 That, like, all right, like, you're not fooling the fan anymore. You know, like, it should be grittier. That's what he's saying. Like, it it should look like this is all spontaneous. Because if there's one thing in wrestling that you can make spontaneous on TV. It's what the matches are going to be. You can set them up. It's see, it's tough because you know what you're dealing with. You have all it's, we feel probably feel like writers. Yeah. You know, or in your mind, you know, it would work at least for you, what you want to see. And you know, it's not going to pass the smell test by one person. No. 
You, I read something about. I mean, we played DDP's opening at the beginning for for you because every time I hear fucking Nirvana and, and <laughs> smells like Teen Spirit, I'm like, God damn, Dave and your Diamond Cutter, <laughs> and not Diamond Dave. I mean, Dave here on the show and damn Diamond Cover from DDP. But it's like I read something where Diamond Dallas Page said that him and Triple H, when he first came out in WWE or whatever, they both used the Diamond Cutter as their finisher, right? Or the RKO is is what you would think. Randy Orton, yeah. So DDP calls and said that, you know, I actually got a response from Triple H for once um, saying, hey, you know, you're doing great things. I love your persona. I love all this. But I'm trying to get the diamond cutter over for me and my move. He loved, um, um, what the hell is Triple H's other thing? What's, what's the pedigree? His, the pedigree. He says he loves the pedigree. That's an awesome move, and not like shit talking. He's like, that's probably one of the best moves in wrestling, whatever. Oh, definitely, it's one of the best finishers. Can you focus on that so I can focus on this? Triple H said done, and he never used the diamond cutter RKO ever again. Yeah, and and that's great. And even when Page came to WWE as the whole stalker angle, mm-hmm. why not set up a feud with him and Randy Orton? They both use the same move, and the loser can't use the diamond cutter anymore. What what moves can you use in this day and age, right, that would work? Oh, but Randy Orton's got a, a ton of them. You you could totally do something else, like bring back the fucking pile driver. No, that I, that I agree with, because all it takes is someone you to be greased do. up. You've got to do it the right way. Yeah, but that's the problem. I mean, a power bomb doesn't look that bad, and yet Draws is fucking paralyzed because <laughs> of it. Because one little mistake, like we were talking about with hockey. Your stride is different in one way because you bend or don't bend. Well, you hit a power bomb the wrong way, you're paralyzing people. It's probably why you don't see Styles do the Styles clash. Or why they probably made, um, uh, what's his name, stop doing the, um, the curb, curb stomp. stomp. Yeah, but now he does it again. So, But now when he does it, if you look, the guy is almost on like all fours, like he's a dog, so that when they feel the foot on like the back they of his drop. head, they drop instead of him pushing it down. See, I like the fact that we're taking this wrestling angle as it's we know it's fake. We can yeah. appreciate the way and the athleticism that you use to do this, as opposed to going just being homers. Yeah, it's there's safe ways to protect people because you have to. You have to. And you, you have the, to be... the pile driver is not one of those moves <laughs> that even if you do right, sometimes shit goes wrong and you don't want to do it. That's why, like I told you, my favorite finishing move of all time is the fucking Canadian destroyer, Petey Williams. And it's a flipping pile driver. I saw somebody in the independent scenes that somebody filmed it. And I think it's something similar. Yeah, where they the flip you, over the back. F- and you pick them up, and essentially it's just that power bomb. But it flips into a pile driver. You do the, I saw the pile driver. You talk about the pile driver. I saw the one with the power bomb. Yeah, it's. but again, it's one of those it's, things. If someone slips, yeah, yeah, you're, 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 you're fucked. You're killing them. Yeah, and that, that's the shitty part. And the fact that you're doing so much, I don't know. So you want to do these moves, especially like on the outside and all that kind of. It's it's. I'm I'm, it's I'm amazed rough. that Owens gets to do his power bomb. 
onto the onto a ring post onto the, not the ring post but the the, the, the turnbuckle yeah. yeah oh yeah that thing too yeah because allegedly when you do that you're basically slapping your hands down on a mat and stopping the force yeah you're, how do you're you, going how do you not blow out your shoulders or bruise the shit out of the middle of your spine by those things amaze me how people don't get their teeth knocked out with super kicks yeah, because you got to get damn close to it. To sell I, it. I obviously know that when you hear the smack, it's the guy who's kicking that slaps his thigh. Yeah. To make the noise, but... Nobody better than Shawn Michaels. You have to be... You got to be... Re- Even when you do punches, when you hit somebody on the bridge of the nose, right? And obviously, I, I'm talking with the, the independent guys or whatever I did. Is that when you punch the guy in the face, right? You're putting your, your hand or your thumb right where you're punching it, and you just punch your thumb. Yeah. What do you miss? You break the dude's nose. Yep. Or the guy leans in or, or like, takes up. a deep breath and comes <laughs> forward. And and miss and messes up the whole spot. Well, that's why neither one of us are wrestlers. Now, we'd be managers, though, I'm sure. I'd ra- Again, I'd rather just be the writer. Just let me write. <laughs> anyway, uh, since we were talking about the Montreal Screwjob and mm-hmm. the dark side of the ring and stuff, there are other stories that I think that they could do shows about because... I mean, while Fabulous Mula and Gino Hernandez mm-hmm. are not well-known, these stories are probably more well-known, like doing something on Owen Hart's death. They're not going to have any footage of it, but you're going to have Bruce Pritchard, who was there. You're going to have Vince Russo, who was there. You could now probably talk to Jim Ross, who was ringside to see it. What I don't understand, right? Or and, Bret Hart. And I don't care how buddy-buddy you are. How in the hell did Vince let Jim Ross go right to AEW? How? He, you know he's not going to go behind the mic and go, Hi, I'm Jim Ross. He's going to be of somebody of substance behind the scenes. He's going to be a, a talent scout or he's going to be in the gorilla position feeding whoever the announcers and, are. And I'm sure he knows contractual stuff. I'm sure he knows storylines. I don't care if you do a non-compete. Some way, some form, he, Jim Ross is in this business long enough to know that there's some kind of way that you can twist something and not get sued for it. But And also maybe it's Vince just didn't want to pay a guy who's not there all the time. That too, but he's so entrenched in wrestling. Oh, I agree. But you could say that about a lot of people. You could say, like, why not bring in, as much as fucking Russo is a loose cannon, bring him in for a, a new, fresh look of something. You don't have to use his ideas, because God knows you're not using the other fucking writer's ideas. How many are there? Like 60 of they them, said, I think? I think they said there's like 38 or 39 wrestlers. Writers, I mean. Who write for two shows. <laughs> Three shows, if you count a house show. But I think the Owen Hart story... Would be a good one. Uh, uh, yeah, it has to be. And it's easy to do because, again, Bruce Pritchard was there. Mm-hmm. You can get Bret Hart's kind of view on it. Um, and you know what? I wouldn't even care if Bret... I mean, obviously, I know Bret's okay with the WWE, but he can show that passion of, I fucking hate Vince for having him to have absolutely, to do that. Absolutely. And I'm surprised that after Owen Hart's death for that, why they let Shawn Michaels do that at a WrestleMania or whatever he did when he went on the zip line. Was that before or after? I don't remember. I think it was before. Or how, because, they, or how they can let Sting do that from the drop him from the rafters. Well, that was like WCW. The, but still. Because Owen, Owen Hart died 
in 99 because I was in Mexico, in school in Mexico when that happened. So, yep. Uh, the Ultimate Warrior story. Again, yes. they don't all end in death. <laughs> but, like, the Ultimate Warrior, how he was given the torch by Hogan mm-hmm. and how he tried to fucking shake Vince down for more money. Like, those are all stories. Again, Bruce Pritchard's there. Who's the other guy they talk to? The other writer. Tom. No. Whatever. But, yeah. you could, I mean, Scott Hall was there at that time and stuff. Like, you could talk to these guys. Yeah. I agree. Um, speaking of Scott Hall, have a whole one on backstage politics and the stories of backstage politics of Hall, Nash, Bischoff. Talk about the curtain call. Talk about the NWO and the power that they had. And and as a watch, as a viewer of that that particular one, I don't want it to be so like you know pro NWO. Oh, I want, we were pumping our own tires. That it's. I, I want it to be like listen, you know, look, you know, Kev was doing this thing, and I fucking hated him for it, and I told him, but it was best for business. So we had like, I want the realistic approach to it. I don't want the. Yeah, <laughs> I was part of the fucking NWO, buddy. Right, right. I want, I want Nat, I want Hall to be like. I want National. It was too. great, right? It was great until we started adding. <clears throat> yes. Like, have you heard Kevin Nash do podcasts or interviews and stuff? You, you, you would think he's like the Vinnie Vegas character and and pompous. No, he's like he's a straight shooter on stuff, and he's like he's a pretty smart guy from yes, what everything is. I've yeah. I've said. Very uh, articulate. Shawn Michaels finding Jesus would be a good one because from all stories, if you watch the Montreal Screwjob one, like he was an asshole. Like they said he was super tough to deal with that, you know, him talking about Bret Hart cheating on his wife with fucking Sonny and all this other stuff. Like It was rough for him, like for Bret to uh, um, for Sean to do that. No, but like uh, he was an asshole, uh, like uh, his personality yes. for yes. doing that kind of stuff. And then he all of a sudden found Jesus and wanted to stop doing all of the stupid stuff. When he came back to wrestle after his whole back, I retire kind of thing. And when he came back and his fucking ring attire has got all crosses and he's in religious movies and shit now. It's almost like the whole like DX thing. It's like DX is cool. This guy. I'm I'm toning it down a little bit to the whole socket thing. I'm just going to. It's not going to be suck it. It's one of those you're like, hey, I got two words for you guys. and like Right, and then they hold the mic up. Water, or water or when they would do something edgy and Shawn Michaels would be like, no, 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 no. We can't do that anymore. Like That's like him, him his reality coming out of him, yeah. Uh, the infamous plane ride from hell. Did you ever hear this story? No. This is... They I, were, you know what? I think I might have. They were doing... A, this is in the late 90s, early 2000s, where... They were flying, I want to say to London. It was like mm. a six or seven hour flight. And everybody on the plane was was hammered. And it led to like the flight attendants being like sexually assaulted kind of thing. It led to Michael Hayes falling asleep drunk. And I want to say it was gold dust mm. cut his huge fucking mullet ponytail off. Um, Lesnar and Mr. Perfect, who was coming back into the company at the time, got into an argument about like real wrestling, like Greco-Roman wrestling. Greco-Roman number one (laughs) champion. (laughs) I love Sheik. Um, And that they like started wrestling on the plane. 
like in that spot between like where the uh, the door, the emergency yes. door, like yeah. they started like real deal wrestling and had to be broken up about it. Uh, Goldust was singing an inappropriate song about his wife, Terry Reynolds. Yeah. Um, Hayes wakes up, realizes his mullet, throws a punch at JBL. They start a huge fight. There's a lot of JBL fucking asshole stories when I started looking all this stuff up. <clears throat> but that would be a good one. I don't think they would do that just because. There's just a lot of stuff in there. That's, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jeff Jarrett holding up the 1999 pay-per-view No Mercy because he wasn't paid. He, want, he was leaving for WCW the next day. Slap nuts. And he wanted $300,000 or he wasn't going to drop the belt to, I think it was China for the mm. IC title. I can, I can see the next one. Jimmy and, Snooker and, is murdering his girlfriend in 1983 and it got covered up. Yeah. I, and he I, got brought to trial, what, like a year before he died? Yeah. After having like dementia and Alzheimer's yeah. and stuff. Okay, brother. <laughs> <laughs> okay, brother. Uh, just a story on ECW and WCW, like two separate, separate shows. ones. Yes, yeah, yeah. ECW would be a good one. I'm sure a lot of those ECW guys would jump at the opportunity. Taz would probably jump at it. Dreamer would jump at it. How could you not be proud of that stuff? I don't think Paul Heyman would because he's still stuck under in. contract. Yeah. yeah, but the wrestlers' court. I know we talked about this the other day. Yep, wrestlers' court. When a wrestler does something wrong. They're often brought to what they call wrestler's court, who is led by the undertaker. Mm -hmm. I don't know who does it now because we were talking about lack of yeah. uh, leadership in that locker room. But like when you do something wrong that you have to answer for it. So if you know the story now, Lilo Rush apparently is got heat and he's not going to be working till his contract runs out. But like back in the day, he would have went to wrestler's court where they would have made him do yep. shit while he's, you know, he, he might have had to job to some jobber on TV as punishment or, you know. Do you think he gets a job after this? Yeah. Really? Yeah. After making that big of a stink. Well, stink you have to look it. at it now. WWE is number one. I would say AEW is number two because they have a nationally televised show coming. They they literally blew past Impact right. with, with comments, so, online comments. I would say now, like, if you're looking at Major League, AAA, AHL, mm. East Coast Hockey, TNA, that, that's perfect for him. Yeah. Rebuild your, your stock in, in, in the whole game. That's. But Brian Pillman would be a good one. I would actually like that. I really would, just because did he mimic his whole, Right, he's crazy. Did life like, imitate art, or did art imitate life? Him and Jericho, can you imagine that today? If in their primes today, yeah, the Mike skills of Pillman. And I have no idea why he was put in the Heart Foundation. I have no idea. I, yeah. Again, it's one of those, like, <laughs> we have a guy... Who, it's almost like the Von Erics. You, you watch Texas the Von Tornado. Erics. Yeah, no, how they added the other Von Erics. Oh, yeah. And everybody in Texas is like, no. We know that's not, not a Von Erich. Yeah, what the fuck are you doing? Like, Brian Pillman, I don't care how loosely related to the Hart family he was. And I don't even care if he had one sweat droplet in the dungeon. He's not He's not a Hart Foundation guy. Sorry. 
No. Anyway, I would love a Brian Pillman story. What he killed himself, right, or he overdosed? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> okay, it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, the Goldberg Y two J. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier. But, yeah, before yeah. we recorded about how uh, Jericho didn't mind losing to Goldberg, but he just wanted to do it at a pay per view, and Goldberg was like, "I'm not doing any of your comedy shit." That this angle ends on Monday Nitro, and Jericho was all pissed off, and it led to Jericho actually leaving to go to. Uh, WWE, who is still the best debut ever. I was just gonna say, what's what's your what uh, top two have to be Jericho because he bumped, and my second one is is the Undertaker when he finally came out back in the eighties with his whole uh, Survivor Series. Yeah, see that <laughs> dude. That, that was perfect writing. A dead guy coming out at Survivor Series. <laughs> yeah, it worked. But that's when they used to be able to change the names of all the in your house wrestlers. You know, like the wrestling shows mm-hmm. where it'd be like, oh, this one's October. What should it be? Oh, I don't know. Let's see. It's going to be Kane and The Undertaker. Uh, let's make this one fucking, you know. Look, they have they have the perfect opportunity, they meaning Vince and crew, to put out an October pay-per-view. Sold and out. And fucking call it Halloween Havoc. Or sold out. Whatever. Anyway. Sold out is another good one that you could have had. For Rollins when he turned on the shield. Yeah, See, it's take, a double take, entendre. Yes, take a pay-per-view name, <laughs> and there's your storyline. Perfect. Look and then, at you. And then Kurt Angle, his whole story of an American wrestler. Uh, one of the great stories of broken freaking neck. But even before that, like he was part of a tragedy. I forget who. I mean, there were two brothers that were wrestlers. I think we talked about this once before. Um, they were training at John DuPont's compound. John mm-hmm. DuPont, part of the DuPont millionaire family. Um, he was a loser, wanted to be a wrestler, couldn't be a wrestler because he was not an athlete. So he opened up a wrestling school and had these two Olympic champions kind of be the trainers. Kurt Angle trained there. And John DuPont ended up killing one of the, the trainers. Mm-hmm. Like, because he wanted to be a wrestler or something, right? Right. Or he was, no, he wanted to leave. Oh. He didn't want to train with John DuPont's thing anymore. And Kurt Angle was there. So you have that. You have him in 96 winning the gold medal on a broken friggin' neck at the Olympics where there was a terrorist bombing. Then you add him going to ECW or at least watching an ECW show, then going to WWE, having this great run. Then he finds drugs, falls into his drug problem, goes to TNA, has his wife cheat on him with Jeff Jarrett, right? Was that the story? Yeah. It was a story, and then it happened in real life, to which the point where Jarrett, I think, is married to Kurt Angle's ex-wife now. Yes, yeah, they they swapped wives. And then he comes back and you know, becomes a wrestler again at WWE and becomes a Hall of Famer. I mean, that's... It's a good story. If if they touch on his whole Olympic thing, like, quick, and then focus it on the professional Oh, part yeah, because it, they fine. wouldn't be able to have any footage of him winning the Olympics because the IOC won't let anybody have that footage. Ugh. Which leads to the NHL not wanting to go to the Olympics because they can't use any of the footage yeah. of their players playing in the Olympics. 
there you go so much to do and those are just modern like stories like from our lifetime i'm sure that there are a ton of like you can Bruno go back, san martino kind of you can go back to when like the nwa split to wcw and how that worked out for people like flair and and i left flair and andre because they had their own kind of thing already yes like flair's kid dying yeah. and and whatnot it's in, in the same vein as the Andre and Flair um, documentaries, I want any of these docuseries to be in that same vein because yeah. it's it's professionally and properly done without having to really dive in, delve into all this other. And they're doing it. And the dark side of the ring is doing, doing a good same, job. Yes. It's doing a good job. It's not as good because the WWE isn't involved, right? So they can't really get people. Like, it'd be great to have Vince, but Vince isn't going to be Vince, truthful Vince. Vince is going to be, I'm defending my baby, Vince. Like he was during the uh, Andre um, thing. Right. So there you have it, folks. Episode 36. In the book. In the book. All about the docuseries. HSSKpod.com for all of your podcasting needs we're on player fm spotify google play itunes podbean social media wise we're on twitter and facebook at hssk pod please like and follow and um like dave said earlier tick him off by suggesting that he was wrong please do please hsskpod.com you go to the contact us page Next week, what do we got going on next week? Next oh. week, we are talking about Show Me the Money. Ooh. Here comes the, the money. money. There's your opening music. You don't have to wait for that, folks. We're going to talk. We're going to start going through um, every week, probably about anywhere between 10 to 13 free agents, uh, and then talking about where they might end up, how much they're probably going to get. We'll give you like three or four teams. That each, you know, that they could go to. And then we'll see from there. And then we're going to talk about uh, who's the best unrestricted free agent signings of all time. And then we'll talk about in wrestling who the WWE or AEW should sign. How about TNA too? Nah, fuck TNA. <laughs> I don't even know what channel they're on. Amer- Destination America or some shit? No, no, no. It's easier to find they're, the they're, NHL they're, on TV right now. They're on <laughs> Twitch too, so you can watch them online. Oh, yeah. So. I'd rather uh, watch some kid play wrestling on Twitch. Woo! That's bad. You're terrible, Mr. David, but... Yes, I am. I, I, I still I still give you um, the last word, so my friend, the, the microphone is all yours. Toodles!